Hey, I'm Kelly McEvers. And I'm Chris Benderev. And this is Embedded. We're following people in the coal counties of central Appalachia over the first year and change of Donald Trump's administration. And these episodes are in order. So if you haven't, go back and listen from the beginning. Okay. Tammy Fields' dad worked in coal at this company in Buckcannon County, Virginia, called United. Oh, that's all I ever knew was United Coal Company and my daddy working. Wow. There. Her dad worked at a prep plant, which is where they wash and sort the coal, sometimes day and night. Did he make good money? Like it was, I mean, if you yes. don't mind me asking. Yeah, he did. He did pretty good. Two-story house, and we did pretty well. Tammy grew up, got married, had her own kids. In 2008, her husband showed her an ad for an HR job she might want at that same coal company. Of course, to me, United was just something I was raised with, that company. Uh, their company picnics and going and doing. So when I seen that, he showed it to me, and I'm thinking, well, I'll apply. We'll just kind of see what happens. And then, of course, I got the job, and I loved it. She mostly loved the people she worked with. Then, about four years later, the coal market went into what many say was its worst downturn ever. As we said in our last episode, the price of coal plummeted during those years. Coal companies went bankrupt. Tens of thousands of people lost their jobs. And, as we said, a lot of people blamed that on the government. It was on the news. I mean, you know, Obama was constantly making comments, and several of them, that they were just, I don't remember how it was all worded, but, I mean, then you can kind of see it because then the prices started dropping on coal. Prices started dropping, and there were layoffs. Tammy's company closed down one entire operation in Kentucky, almost 200 people. And Tammy, who worked in HR, was the one who had to tell people that they'd lost their jobs. I had one guy look, and he just, he begged. He said, you know, just, you don't have to pay me. Just give me whatever. Just please let me work. Uh, cut me down to part-time. Just, just don't lay me off. I don't know what I'm going to do for my kids, and how am I going to f- put food on their table? And when you've got a grown man looking at you with tears in his eyes, I mean, that's just hard. Mm-hmm. And that was that happened a lot. And then... Tammy got laid off, too. It took her six months to get a new job at a nursing home. She drives an hour each way to work and makes less money. Then, in 2016, the owner of a local grocery store chain suggested that Tammy should tell her story to Donald Trump. So Tammy and her husband went to this campaign roundtable a couple hours away. And then he literally just sat down with us and talked to us. He asked us questions and, you know, what can I do to help. Tammy believed Trump when he said he would bring back coal jobs. So she voted for him. And at the time we're talking to her, a few weeks after the election, things are starting to change. The price of the coal they mine around where Tammy lives is going up. And one of those guys who Tammy had to lay off, she just ran into his wife. I'm like, well, what is he doing now? And she said, well, he's currently working for like a contractor. A contract coal mine. He doesn't have health insurance, but he's back to work, underground, as a coal miner. Remember, we are following people whose lives depend on coal to see if Trump can keep his promises. And in this episode, it's the early months of Trump's administration, and it looks to some people in the coal counties like he can.
Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and waiting for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter can help. Their technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com embedded. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hi, I'm Daniel Alarcón, host of NPR's Spanish-language podcast, Radio Ambulante. Why should you tune in to our show? We asked our listeners. I feel like I'm home. It's a great way to practice my Spanish. It completely changed my life. Listen to Radio Ambulante on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back. So after the election, the price of metallurgical coal, that's the kind of coal that you use to make steel, the kind they mine in Buchanan County and the surrounding counties, has gone up. And it seems to a lot of people that Donald Trump's win had something to do with it. Maybe it's a new confidence in the coal industry. Now there's a coal supporter in the White House. Like the way the stock market can go up when there's confidence. That's what some people in these coal counties believe is going on. There is a lot more to why the price of coal went up, like supply and demand on the global market. But for now, just know that most people in the counties are focusing on this confidence. Like, if you believe hard enough that things will get better, they get better. And in the months after the election, people's lives are changing. People like Kyle Johnson and Gary Dotson. So first, Kyle. We first meet Kyle Johnson in a mine safety training class. Miners have to get the safety training if they want to work. So when companies are hiring new miners, or miners who've been out of work for a while, there are more training classes. And that's what's happening early in the Trump administration. One trainer told me that he taught as many classes in the first three months of 2017 as he had the entire year before. We're going to talk a little bit about some hazards and have some illustrations of it. The guy teaching this class is Tom McLaughlin. And Tom spends most of his day explaining proper safety technique for miners. So really be sure that you're wearing gloves whenever you're handling cables. You have a better chance of surviving a shock. Each student has to complete 80 hours of training. And sometimes Tom will fill those hours by powering up these really old safety videos. Workmen must work together and look out for the other guy. This miner did not take these precautions, and his lamp cord caught in the rotating auger with disastrous consequences. And suddenly, an actor playing a coal miner appears to get pulled underneath this huge grinding machine. And the implication is, he dies. Your working environment is decidedly more hostile or hazardous than that of most other occupations. You guys from around here? Kyle Johnson is one of the young guys getting trained today. He's got blonde hair and stubble. And I ride with him to lunch. And the first thing that strikes me about Kyle is that he seems completely unfazed by all these ominous training videos. In fact, despite all the reasons to be scared, Kyle couldn't be more excited to get a job in a coal mine. He already dresses like a coal miner, even though he's not one yet. He wears these baggy navy work pants with reflective stripes down the sides. And he tells me that he's wanted to work in a mine ever since he visited one when he was younger. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I thought, oh, this is what I want to do. I've been hooked ever since, but uh, I guess I was just born at the wrong time. 
the wrong time because when he first tried getting a mining job, it was 2015, and the industry was at its lowest point in decades. But now he's got this sense that things might be improving. So he's taking this class. Do you have a lot of friends who've gotten training? Not really. Most of them think it's a lost cause nowadays, I guess. No, what do they say to you? It's just they just think I'm crazy. They're like it's, they think I need to go, you know, go to school and all that stuff. Kyle did try going to college. I talked to one of his classmates who he's been friends with since they were kids. His name's Isaiah Thomas. And Isaiah says Kyle was obsessed with coal. Even when we were in school, I always make fun of him for this. We would be in school and we would go to the computer lab and I would be sitting there doing my classwork and I would look over and Kyle is watching coal. It was a show on the Discovery Channel. <laughs> it ran for like one season. Hank overshot his mark ramming the feeder. When he hit it, he threw the belt out of alignment. That was my fault, sir. I'll take the blame for that. Kyle, he watched that show all the time. Like, he'd just be sitting there. I'm like, do you have schoolwork to do? He's like, yeah, I got a couple things I probably should do. And then he'd go right back to watching someone going down in the hole or watching coal. That's all he ever did. Isaiah finished college, got a business administration degree. But Kyle dropped out. He joined the Marines, then the Reserves. Now he does landscaping. But that's really just to fund his relentless pursuit of a coal job. And it's an actual pursuit, like in his Dodge Ram with a stack of resumes. I drive around McKenna County about 10 hours a day, about once or twice a week, looking for jobs. And then I come to Dickinson, Wise, wherever, ask people who they know and everything. There might be a little more hiring going on these days, but there's also a lot of experienced coal miners ready to fill those open jobs. Kyle's already put several thousand miles on his truck, driving around all these counties in just a month of searching. And every afternoon, he calls up his friend Isaiah to update him on the job hunt. Isaiah, who has a job in sales and works in an office, thinks this whole thing is hopeless. Honestly, he thinks me following Kyle is hopeless, too. He was telling me, he said, yeah, some guy from NBR wants to interview him on my job hunt. And I said, well, good luck to that guy because you're not going to get a job. <laughs> and he's like, well, I don't, th- I don't know. I might get one. I'm like, no, he's probably just going to ride around with you in a truck and you're going to hand out <laughs> resumes and that's going to be the end of that one. <laughs> For Kyle, it's not just about getting a job. It's also about this other thing that he really wants to be true. That you can still graduate from high school and then make decent money and live a good life. And here, the way to do that has been coal. We'd like to thank our sponsor who brings you this message, Discover Card, who alerts you if they find your social security number on any one of thousands of risky websites. Discover believes there are some things that you just need to know. It's just another way Discover looks out for you, not just your account. And best of all, social security alerts are free for Discover Card members. All you have to do is sign up online. Learn more at discover.com slash free alerts. Limitations apply. Support also comes from Akimbo, a new podcast by entrepreneur and best-selling author Seth Godin. 
Over a million readers turn to Godin's daily blog to inspire their life and work. Akimbo is a lot like Godin's blog, just 20 minutes of insights you can use in your life or business. Learn why grand openings are overrated, how to overcome creative block, and how to embrace the power of placebos. Subscribe to Akimbo in Stitcher or your podcast app, or visit sethspodcast.com to learn more. I'm Linda Holmes. There's more stuff to watch these days than you can ever get to. That's why we make Pop Culture Happy Hour. Twice a week, we give you the lowdown on what's worth your time and what's not. Find Pop Culture Happy Hour on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back. And just know that in future episodes, we are going to keep following Kyle while he tries to get that job. Now, in these early months after Trump is elected, some people are already getting jobs. We know this from Gary Dotson. He's one of the people doing the hiring. Gary is a coal mine operator. That means big companies contract him to do the mining. And with this upturn in coal, three of Gary's guys have left and gotten new jobs. So Gary has just hired three new young guys. And he's psyched. You know, we have to start training these boys. If we don't train some of these kids, then this is going to be a dying art. Gary has worked in coal his whole life. And he has seen the industry go up and down. In the good times, he could do stuff like buy a second house. In the bad times, he had to live off his savings. But this latest downturn, this one during the Obama years, Gary says it's the worst he's ever seen. During that downturn, the company that has a contract with Gary cut what it pays him by 20 percent. Gary and his partners cut their own salaries 20 percent. They cut the workers' pay by 10 percent, and they eliminated the workers' health insurance. And then we just said, we'll just have to try to survive. And if we have to cut them anymore, we'll just quit. We We won't try to do this. What Gary's saying here is things have been so bad that he's been seriously considering shutting down his coal mining business, one that he's run for more than 30 years. Until Donald Trump got elected. Like I said, now things are starting to change. The price of metallurgical coal has gone way up, but Gary is still locked into his current contract. So if he can hold on just a little bit longer, he thinks things will get better. He can renegotiate his contract or even get a second contract with a new company. I asked Gary's partner, Barry Estep, about all this. He's in the trailer they use for an office at the mine eating lunch. Do you think things are going to get better now? I mean, I, a I lot of people it, around here. I think it will get better. I think it'll be, you know, a lot better than it has been the last year or two. Mm. Maybe this is a light at the end of the tunnel we've all been hoping for to get things turned around and change them. When he says this, he means Donald Trump. So, Gary really wants us to see what it's like in the mine. We're ready to go. Okay. So, I put on a hard hat with a light on it, and we get on this thing called a buggy. It's like an industrial golf cart where you lay down flat. I'll get on that side? Okay. Gary's got on his hard hat and coveralls with reflective tape. He opens these metal doors to the hole. It's literally just the hole in the side of the mountain. And gets back in the buggy, and we just drive in. Is this your first trip underground? Yes. You haven't panicked on me yet. No. What's there to panic about? It's not like you think it is. Okay. You don't get a good picture unless you do what you're doing today. 
then you can go back and talk firsthand what you've seen. And the thing that surprises me at first is how orderly it all is. I guess I just expected this dark, chaotic place. But what we're doing is driving straight down what feels like a road. It's so crazy. We're inside a mountain. Driving inside a mountain. All along the road are what look like little square rooms that have been cut out of the mountain. Each one has a number. And your primary escapeway is where your fresh air is, and your secondary escapeway is you. The other thing I notice right away is this feeling of just how dangerous this work can be. Mine accidents have decreased over the decades, but really horrible things still do happen. The last big mine explosion killed 29 people in 2010. West Virginia. Now right here is the refuge chamber through that door. And you refuge. See, you'll see one of these lifelines. That's what you go get in in case in case something happens, you know. Uh, but that's where I'm not going to go. Uh, I'm going to find my way out of here if I can. If I'm a living, I'm going to move. You see that little orange button? What was that big noise? That little orange button on the bottom of this right here. Is that a panic button? That's a panic button. Being a miner, it's no joke. At one point, Gary says this thing to me. I wish all these coal mines could just shut down for three months. And then people would see the lights go out in New York and D.C. They'll never know until their heat and lights go off. They'll never know. I later learned that's not totally true. Now it's a combination of coal, natural gas, and other sources that keep the heat and lights on. But I get what Gary's saying. He wants people to appreciate this work. Come on, I'll take you over here shows me the main machine that does the work. It's this massive thing called a continuous miner. It has these huge, jagged rotator things that cut into the mountain and turn it into a big pile of rock, dust, and coal. Oh, wow. So it's like boring into the rock in the front. That was six ton, not ten. Just then? Six ton. Wow. We watch for a while, and then we head back out. It's a mile and a half to the entrance. There's the outside world. Coming out of the hole. I don't fully realize this until I come out, but emerging back into the world is a really intense feeling. Like, you just did this crazy thing. You went so far under the mountain, you were in the next town. And if you're a miner, you did this while also extracting something that makes the steel that built our country. Stuff like bridges and skyscrapers. And you made it out alive. To do that every day must feel like a big deal. We should say not everybody in the coal counties feels the way Kyle and Gary do about coal mining. We hear that from a guy named Brad Pennington who we meet at the hotel where we always stay, the Comfort Inn in Buchanan County. Brad works the front desk. Yeah, well, I mean, the lobby looks like it's a part of the Golden Girls set, so yeah. He's kind of darkly sarcastic, but thoughtful, too. He always makes sure to book you a room on the side of the hotel with the best view of the mountains. And he tells us how fun it was to grow up here, hunting and fishing and riding four-wheelers in the mountains. But he says being an adult here... He's 22. Is not so easy. When did you start to realize that fact? You figure it out pretty quick. I applied for quite a few jobs senior year of high school, and only one I got was Walmart, and that was temp work through winter. 
After Walmart, Brad tried going to community college, but then he dropped out. He worked in a scrapyard, then for a little while as a security guard at a coal mine. But then a guy died in the mine, and Brad got spooked. And he heard layoffs were coming, so he quit. Brad's dad has worked in coal for a long time, but he hurt his back doing it. He told me from the very beginning, just don't do it. Just go somewhere else. Do anything else. So Brad got the hotel job. Now he works the night shift, makes about $8 an hour. He lives at home with his parents. He's single. And most of his high school friends have left the county. There's just, there's nothing here in Buchanan County. It's, it's slowly dying. How does that feel? It scares the shit out of you, if you don't mind me saying that. I mean, it, it really does. I mean, if you got fired tomorrow or quit tomorrow, there's absolutely no opportunity to get another one. I mean, you're fighting 50 other people on a list a mile long to get a minimum wage job anymore. I mean, you get a job, you keep it, because you know you got to. But even if there are more coal jobs in his hometown right now, Brad thinks that this upturn is just a blip in the boom and bust cycle. He doesn't agree with a lot of his friends or relatives who think that Trump's election means coal's going to make some big comeback. It is a dying industry, and you can't keep propping it up and hoping for it to last forever because it won't. And they know that, but they don't care. They just want it to work right here, right now, so they can live happy and have their money and whatever. And they would rather save 50 jobs for five years versus create 500 jobs in 10 years. You know, they're just a lot of hard-headed people around here that here we're going to bring back coal and they're all for it. So Brad thinks that the best thing that he can do at this point is to leave this job, this county, the whole thing. But he says he can't leave yet. I can't pack up and move on a minimum wage job. It has to be a worthwhile job, something that can make it to where I can afford to leave is basically all I'm waiting for. That wait, which he originally figured might be just six months working at the hotel, has now lasted two years. Brad is on to something when he talks about coal. Because, like I said at the beginning, confidence in Trump is just part of why coal prices have been going up and people's lives have been changing. The main reason is something not a lot of people are talking about. The global market. Like supply and demand. Actually, demand in China and supply in Australia. That's what makes these short-term changes happen But what does the long term look like? That's coming up in our next episodes. Plus, Brad surprises us, Kyle makes some progress, and Gary gets some news. Are there days like this that happen where you feel like, I'm not sure if we're going to make it? Well, sure. All the time.
These episodes were reported and written by Chris Benderev and me. They were produced by Chris and by Lisa Pollock with help from Noor Wazwaz. They were edited by Lisa and mixed by Chris. We also had editing help from Neil Carruth, Tom Dreisbach, Neva Grant, Rebecca Hersher, Jennifer Ludden, and Mark Memmott. Fact-checking is by Greta Pittenger. Our lawyer is Ashley Messenger. Our theme song is by Colin Wamsgans. Other original music by Ramtin Arablui. You can see images from the Cole Counties and of the people in these stories on our website, npr.org. Huge thanks to Ruth Sherlock, Joe Street, Benny Becker, Taylor Kukendall, Ralph Dunlop, Rima Keen, Susan Stancil, Corita Brown, Tony Opegard, Elizabeth Catt, Chris Dillo, Tony Matney, Ginny McClanahan, Tom McLaughlin, Kate Larkin, Elizabeth Barrett, and Roger May. Embedded is executive produced by Anya Grundman, Chris Turpin, and me. We are back next week with more Cole stories. Subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, hit us up on Twitter at NPR Embedded. That's it. I'm Kelly McEvers. Thanks. <laughs>